and welcome back to Admission Granted. This is a podcast on how to be successful in applying to medical and graduate programs. And today we're going to talk about being the first in the family. But first I'll introduce myself. My name is Natalie Nunez. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Brittany. And my name is Christina. All right. So before we dive into today's topic... I would love to know how your summers went. Like, what did you do this summer? (laughs) Yeah. How does it feel to be back? (laughs) Yeah. um, I mean, I can go ahead because a PhD program, your summers don't stop. In summer, I'm just in lab doing research, spending maybe a week, a few weekends, like exploring New York State, hanging out with uh, my fiance, our family and our friends probably attending a few weddings, right? Because everyone's in that mode of getting married and having babies. But (laughs) Christina, what about you? What'd you do this summer? Yeah. So the way it works for us, um, when you're in medical school, at least here at Upstate, you get one summer off in between your first and second year that you can pretty much use to do whatever you want. Some people do choose to do certain programs. Um, Some people do research. Some people go home and do research at their home institution, quote unquote. Um, I know people who just did not do anything and just took the summer off. So it's pretty much the world is your oyster in that way. So what I did is I stayed in Syracuse because I'm from I'm from Syracuse originally. I was a, a teaching assistant for the Upstate Accelerated Scholars Program. If anyone here is listening and is interested in that program, definitely go online to Upstate's website. It's a great program. It's basically a BS to MD track where Upstate has partnered with various colleges all around the country. So I was a teaching assistant for that program. So that got me some mentorship experience. And I also did a clinical fellowship at the hospital with a psychiatric team. So I went in, um, I worked with doctors, I worked with um, psychologists there, the residents, the medical students on the team. I saw patients, I wrote notes, I did all sorts of stuff there. And I also took time to relax. I spent a lot of time with friends, did a lot of day trips all around New York, um, went to Ithaca. I hadn't been there in a long time, which was great. And yeah, how about you, Natalie? Nice. I took advantage of our summer. Um, I traveled a bit. Um, I actually traveled by myself for the first time, which was an amazing experience. I spent a lot of quality time with my family and friends, and I did do a little bit of research. I worked on a review paper with uh, some friends from another medical school. So oh, cool. I got nice. you know a little bit of work done, but overall it was very relaxing, yeah. and I came back feeling so refreshed and ready to like start MS2, yeah. which I'm very grateful for. Good. Yeah, where awesome. did you travel this summer? I need to know. Oh, yeah. I went to Munich, Germany to visit. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it was awesome. I highly recommend Um, One of my high school friends lives there, so I took her up on the chance to visit. And then I went to Barcelona also. And that was like my time alone, which was great. Yeah, that's awesome. Now we'll transition into like what we're going to talk about today, which is being the first in the family, pursuing a medical degree or PhD. So let's start by sharing what our family does and how it might have like influenced us to pursue what we're doing. Brittany, do you want to start? Yeah, of course. So my mother is a public health program nurse for the central region of New York State's Department of Health. And from what I understand is that my mom just kind of goes to different health departments around central New York, evaluates their programs, and helps them improve if necessary. And I believe I've talked about this before, but my father is a physics teacher uh, here in Syracuse at a high school called West Genesee High School. And I think science just has always been in my house, either doing experiments with my dad or watching it on TV and discussing it. But my mom and dad both fostered a science medical education. In fact, my mom actually got me into viruses, which is Mm. what I study in case you haven't listened to the other episodes. But because 
she is in the public health field that we're able to look at viruses, bacteria, heavy metals, overall education in public health and how to keep you and your family healthy. So I knew that I loved science and public health, so naturally I kind of just ended up in a field that does both. What about you, Christina? Yeah, so unlike Brittany, I didn't have anyone in my family who was in the medical field. I had one of my mom's friends was a nurse um, when I was growing up, but that's pretty much it. I actually was the first person in my family to go to college, so I was a first-gen college student as well. Uh, my mom is a hairdresser, and I think for me, the way that that influenced me was she always instilled in me the concept of financial independence, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. no matter where life took me or where I ended up or what my situation was, that I should always be able to support myself, even if I choose, even if at the end of the day I chose not to work mm-hmm. and to stay at home and take care of a family, that I would always have that option at my disposal to be able to support myself. Obviously, I did not choose to stay at home and <laughs> yeah. take care of a family. That's not the choice that I made. But I think that that concept of independence really helped shape me into the person that I am. And also, I think one thing that I kind of experienced being the first person um, in my family to go into medicine was just the 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 necessity for me to advocate for myself. Mm. You know, a lot of people in our class, and I'm sure Natalie will speak to this as well, have family members or parents or grandparents or, you know, generations of doctors and or people in the medical field in their family, which is great. I think that that speaks to how awesome the field is and how much people love the career and love the lifestyle, which I think is awesome. But, you know, for me, I didn't have a parent or a grandparent Mm -hmm. who could call up their med school roommate and be like, hey, can my granddaughter, Christina, shadow you? Like, I had to do that all myself. So for anyone who's listening, I think, number one, take advantage of your school's career center. Mm -hmm. I had a great career center at my high school, and I can kind of go into later on in this episode how I used that to my disposal and how I formed connections there, but... You know, it, it can be as simple as just having a meeting with your school guidance counselor for 20 minutes and being like, this is what I want to do. Do you know of any programs that I might be interested in? I think advocating for yourself is extremely important mm-hmm. yes. because, you know, when you're in high school, you have people who are responsible for helping you along and guiding you. You know, you have guidance counselors at your disposal. That's awesome. But from there on out, it's you. You, ha- you have to, f- to form those opportunities and kind of pave your way. Um, and it's, you know, if, if you really take advantage of those opportunities, good things will come your way. But how about you, Natalie? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that um, a lot of other students have people in their families or in their social networks, family, friends, things like that, who have been able to help them. Because I really do think that we're in the minority here. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've just realized that, which actually surprised me a little bit. But to give you a little bit of my background, my mom's a high school biology teacher. Um, She actually came to the United States when she was nine years old. And she finished college when I was 13 years old. So I saw her go from like being a restaurant server like I was to Mm -hmm. becoming a biology teacher. And she had to get a master's degree and, um, you know, pursue other higher education. But since I was little, she really fostered in me like the inherent reward of learning. We just always got excited about like new developments in science and it's always evolving. So it's always, you know, a good topic of discussion mm-hmm. because, you know, good grades are nice, but it's, it feels good to understand how things work and to make right. these connections. I think we can all agree on that. And her love of science absolutely rubbed off on me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just like instinctual to us. 
So grateful for that. She definitely influenced me to, to pursue a scientific career. And my dad, he's um, always owned small businesses. He uh, was born in the States, but he grew up in the Dominican Republic and came okay. when he was in high school. So yeah, so he also kind of had to start from the bottom himself. Mm-hmm. And um, he was very you know, successful in his various different ventures. But one thing that he's always instilled in me and he's always been interested in is self-improvement. And he's mm-hmm. always listened to like motivational speakers and things like that. Aww. Yeah. So since I was little, I've always heard these things about your mindset and how important that is to succeeding and overcoming obstacles and things like that. And I think that I really got my work ethic from mm-hmm. him yeah, definitely. in that sense. So. That's cool. I think that's so true what you said about your mindset. I think that the way mm. that you talk to yourself every day really matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that with my friends a lot. So that's awesome. Yeah, Good yeah. I feel very grateful for that. And so we're all doing things that are very different from what our families did. I right. wonder how our, your families reacted when you told them that you were pursuing what you're doing. Do you want to start, Christina? Sure. Yeah, I'll start this time. So, well, first and foremost, I think, you know, it's important to say my family's always been supportive of me. They're always my number one cheerleaders. At this point, at this stage of the game, now that I am two years into school, into medical school, they don't really understand what I do or (laughs) what it entails to go to medical school. They just kind of, you know, I'll be talking about a test. I'll be like, oh, I'm stressed. Mm. I, you know, I'm afraid that I'm not going to do well or whatever. And they'll be like, oh, you're the smartest. You're the smartest person. It's fine. It's fine. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know about that. Um, I have to study. They're not wrong, but yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, but no, they. I think what my family really, the bottom line has, has done for me. I mean, they've done so many things for me. I would not be where I am today without them for sure. But I think for me, the reason that I've been so successful at this thus far, you know, mm-hmm. getting through school and, mm-hmm. and doing well in school and stuff is not because I was the best at math or the kid at the science fair who always won the ribbons and whatever. Mm -hmm. Like that was not me. I think I've gotten this far because they taught me these basic principles about how to be successful in life Mm -hmm. that have just carried me through. I remember I got my first job when I was in high school. I was like 15 or 16 and I worked at this retail job and my mom sat me down and she was just telling me that no matter what you're doing, no matter what your job is, you should always do it to the best of your ability. Like no mm-hmm. job is mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know, you're, you're never going to be overqualified for any job. There's always an opportunity to learn. There's always an opportunity yeah. to better yourself and to learn something. And so, yeah, I think that that's definitely how my family's impacted me for sure. How about you guys? Yeah. So when I told my family I was pursuing medicine, they were like ecstatic, you know, like they were Mm -hmm. definitely relieved also because I, I'm a non-traditional student, as I mentioned before. So I found my way later in life. Um, well, you know, later than most people that are doing this. So they were, you know, very relieved and really proud of me and really supportive, which I'm very grateful for. And of course there, you know, there are some people who don't understand and I think that's part of being the first in the family is, um, is kind of, being alone in that sense, like mm-hmm. not having anyone around you in your immediate circles that can relate. Mm-hmm. I definitely have people that have asked me like, oh, why don't you try nursing or something else? Like, why are you going to be in school for so long? And all great careers, you know, that they've recommended, but this is what I chose. And, you know, I thought a lot about it and yeah, they're, they're really supportive. And I think they, they're, you know, the further I get along in this path, the, the more supportive they are and understanding mm-hmm. and, yeah. yeah, they see you, you know, getting closer to your end exactly. goal. So they're happy for you. Yeah. Can I ask a follow-up question what you yes. just said? Because I related to what you just said for sure. Um, have you ever gotten the question of like, oh, are, aren't you worried you're not going to have time with your family or why don't you mm. pursue, you know, 
being a PA or being an NP or something like that. So maybe you'll have quote unquote more time with your family. Have you ever gotten yeah. that question before? All the time, mm-hmm. all the time. So the way I think about it is like, yes, I'm going through four years of school and potentially like up to nine years of residency, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what I do. But this is like an investment for my future. I mm-hmm. think that I'll have more freedom down the line if I invest now. Yeah. And plus I'm really happy. Like I, I love what I do. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I feel like I was like made for this career in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just remind myself of that. And you know, it's definitely tough to answer those questions. What about you guys? I definitely have. Yeah, 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 I definitely get those mm-hmm. questions too, especially since I guess this actually transitions very well into how my family reacted. Like, mm. so I'm not new to higher education, like that secondary diploma after your bachelor's because my dad had to go to graduate school for his master's and my mom was pursuing a master's. So I always knew that like I wanted to, you know, kind of be like them. I wanted Mm -hmm. to see what the next step in my career was and like, why not try going to graduate school? My parents were both very impressed and they always pushed me to get a higher degree beyond a bachelor's because they knew that if I did that, I would set myself up for so many more opportunities. And like you said, I would have so much more freedom Mm -hmm. later in life Mm -hmm. than right now. But my fiance's family did not react the same way, actually. When they found out that I was pursuing a PhD, so four, five, six years of graduate school, they were kind of confused as to why I didn't want to settle down and start a family because that's what they did. That's what their children did. Mm. And I believe I'm like the first one in my family and in his family to go to graduate school for a PhD, not necessarily just like a master's. Mm -hmm. But it took some time for them to understand and for me to explain to them like how I'm doing this for the betterment of me and like what I want to do in like the long run. But also it's setting up what I feel my family for success. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my future children showing them like I'm able to get through this career and these are the opportunities that I had and this has then set you up for success as well. So you can look up to someone who's been to graduate school, has their PhD or like you guys, their MD, and you're able to mentor them. Yeah. And I totally, I love how you guys are kind of painting this like it's a calling more so than it's just mm-hmm. a job. Yes. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree with that. That totally tracks with me. Yeah. Um, and I think from now on, after actually after mm-hmm. this podcast, whenever <laughs> someone asks me, like, you know, why did you not choose to become an MP or a PA? And it's not because, you know, those people make an enormous sacrifice as well. And, right. you know, yeah. that's, you know, that's not to minimize their sacrifices and their hard work that they do. But I just think my calling is not to be either one of those things. My calling right. is to be a physician. So it's as simple as that. I think. Yeah, there was something bigger <laughs> yeah. out there that you wanted to try. So For sure. why not? For sure. You only have one life. I mean, at least that's my motto, right? You got to try it once. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. So along the same vein, how did you guys find out about your careers, like what you're pursuing? I can start. Um, Yeah, definitely. I'll just say when I was little, I wanted to be a dermatologist. I didn't know. really? Yeah, I didn't know what that meant. I just really was always fascinated with skin and I was like Mm -hmm. always like trying to give my family facials and like chasing them (laughs) down. But like I said, I had no idea what that entailed. Like I didn't realize it was like so many years of school and whatever. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was like a cool thing to do. But it was later in life when I actually lived on my own and found some stability on my own that I realized I wanted to pursue medicine. And it was really working with kids um, with special needs and like just seeing different 
pathologies and uh, volunteering with doctors where I was able to see this amazing career and recognize that there is a need for people like me in this field. So it's just so interesting to me, medicine, because it's really a beautiful marriage of like Mm -hmm. science and humanity. Like I love working with people and I get to like solve complex puzzles. (laughs) So this is like my dream job, honestly, Mm because I just feel like I can do everything I want to do. I get to work with people. I get to learn. I get to do cool things and potentially do research. I do feel like you said, Christina, it was a calling that found me. Mm -hmm. So I do feel Mm -hmm. very lucky. And how about you guys? How did you learn about this career? Yeah, I think for me, kind of just to echo what you said, I wouldn't say that it quote unquote fell in my lap. I think it all started when I was in high school and I was kind of toying around with the idea of doing a bunch of different things. And I booked a meeting with my career advisor, like everyone mm-hmm. in my my grade was assigned one. And she told me about this program through Krauss Hospital, which is actually right next door to Upstate. I pass it every day where you could go in and every month there was a different doctor in a different area of medicine um, who would talk to you. And I've kind of talked about this before on this podcast, so I'm not going to go too in-depth with the story. But after that, I found myself really liking biology mm-hmm. in um, in high school. And it was I was in this honors biology class, and it was notoriously this really hard class. Everybody <laughs> talked about it. Yeah. Everybody was afraid of it because it was, so, it was tough and mm-hmm. very arduous. But I remember doing well in that class, even though it was really difficult. And I really liked that feeling Mm. that I could do something that was hard that no one else that I knew had done. Like Mm -hmm. that was, that really tracked with me. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think I just, from then on, I I took an anatomy and physiology class in high school that a local high school was offering over the summer. I talked to doctors, like whenever a doctor would come in and present to our school or whatever, what have you. I would always stay after and talk to them and Mm -hmm. really try to get my finger on the pulse of what their job was like and what they were saying. And Mm -hmm. it just kind of one thing led to another. And I just couldn't imagine myself ever doing anything else. And to this day, I could not imagine myself doing anything else. Then nothing is better than (laughs) this for me. So yeah. yeah. How about you, Brittany? I mean, we all have faculty, right? In undergraduate, everyone has a doctor in front of their name, either, either, it's a PhD or an MD. And so I knew of PhD school and my friends at the time who are a year older than me, they had all applied and gotten in to PhD school. So I was like, yeah, why not? Like I was kind of more naive about it. Um, I talked to some faculty and they were like, you, you know, this, like, this is really, this can be really grueling. And I was like, eh, I'll, I'll see what happens. And so when I got in and then you know, first year comes, second year comes, I go, oh, I can do one more year. Oh, I can always master out if I don't like this. Like, I, I can do one more year. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, here I am five years later, like, I can graduate in <laughs> six months. Oh, my God. Like, so wow. it's really cool. And it is really cool. Yeah, I just, I like what I do. I don't, don't think I'd imagine it any other way. That's awesome. That's I great. Think, yeah, I think you have to, like, love a challenge to do what we're doing. Oh, for sure. Yes, yeah. yeah. You have to love, the one thing I didn't realize before I got here you really truly have to love learning. Yeah. If you learn and you study as a chore, maybe you're going to do well, great, but you're not going to enjoy it. Like you yeah. have to really be fascinated by things to do this and to love it. Yes, yeah. for definitely. Sure. I think yeah. it's hard not to be fascinated by like the human body oh, yeah. and like viruses right. and just like yeah. mm-hmm. all this stuff. There's, mm-hmm. there's so many different avenues too, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. Brittany, you mentioned that, you know, part of what got you into 
pursuing this career was like mm-hmm. your peers. Yes. I think that's a great segue into our next topic, um, yes. which is our mentors. Like where did we find them, who they are, why they're so important and what we look for in them? Because it's absolutely important, especially as people who may not have had other people doing mm-hmm. what we want to do in our upbringing. You know, we definitely had to seek mentors, I think. So do you want to get into that, yeah, Brittany? Yeah, I can definitely start. When I looked for a mentor, it was more someone who was either on the same track as me or was able to listen to me. I think mm-hmm. that is, you know, something that was very important to me was that they were able to take the time, listen to me, hear my story and the reason why I'm making certain decisions, but also able to provide feedback. Like, especially if I say, hey, I'm going to go do this. I think this is the path I want to choose. And they say, well, I tried this. Like, mm-hmm. and this is my experience. Maybe this will help you make a decision about like choosing, you know, this sort of internship or whatnot. I think that definitely helped me when I asked and talked to my mentors. And my mentors weren't just professors and undergraduate. It was also my friends who were a year older than me. I think they definitely helped like shape me to who I am today, just asking for their feedback. Mm. And I also really liked our residency director because I was an RA um, in undergrad. And she gave me so much like life feedback because she Mm. chose you know, it wasn't science, it wasn't public health, but she still was older than me and able to provide like mentorship. And I guess not to beat this word, you know, but feedback. She gave me a lot of life feedback, which I really appreciated. Mm -hmm. What about you, Christina? Who were your mentors? Yeah. So, um, kind of similar. I really liked what you said, Brittany, about older students. I think Mm -hmm. that that is the silent mentor Mm -hmm. of med Mm -hmm. students that I don't think you hear a lot about, but Definitely, I think for anyone who's listening to this right now who might be in high school or an undergrad, one place that I used to go to meet older students who ended up to be my mentors was our school would, Binghamton University, would put on um, pre-health events. Mm -hmm. So they would have speakers or they would have like round tables that you can go and like talk to physicians, alumni, you know, all that stuff. And there would be older students there. And I remember I would lean over to them in the audience and be like, hi. You don't know me, but my <laughs> name's Christina. I'm a freshman. Love and that, that from there, like just from talking to them and listening and I would say, hey, do you mind if I send you an email or, hey, you know, maybe the next time I saw them on campus, I would wave and just yeah. little things like that. I think putting yourself in the position to meet people, I think is yeah. very, very important. And if you're, you know, you're more introverted, you're more shy, it's okay. But I think definitely you know, being able to reach out and talk to people and network is is a skill that takes time to learn, but it's important. And I would also say, I think two of my biggest mentors were the pre-health director at my school at my undergrad, always was so helpful to me and definitely wanted to see me succeed and always took the extra time to meet with me if I had questions. Mm-hmm. And that was great. Um, and another mentor of mine was my organic chemistry professor in college, still probably the best professor I've ever had. This is another lesson in why you should advocate (laughs) for yourself because the way that I got to know her was she would have these office hours throughout the week. And one of her office hours was at like eight or 8.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I would get up and I would go. And sometimes I would be the only person who went because it was so early and everyone's Mm -hmm. in college and doesn't get up till later usually. Mm -hmm. But I got out of bed and I I would go and 
for the times that I would be the only student there or maybe one of a few students, she would still take the time to teach me, Mm -hmm. even if it was one-on-one. So literally there were different times where she would literally teach me organic chemistry one-on-one. And from there, I just really respected her teaching style. I think she was an awesome person. And I definitely have way more mentors than that, than what I just mentioned. And if you're a mentor of mine who's listening to this, I'm thinking of you and thank you. (laughs) But on the same breath, I think it's also important to say that not everyone that I've encountered along the way has been a mentor. Mm -hmm. Not everyone has rooted for me. Not everyone has told me that I'm the smartest person, Mm. you know, yada, yada, yada. There's definitely been the opposite. And to that, I say, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of finding the right mentor. And Mm -hmm. once you find one, Try and be that for someone else as well. When you get to the position where you can, definitely pay it forward. Yeah, totally. And I like that you mentioned it's like, it's a kind of like a two-way relationship. You know, Mm -hmm. as a mentee, you have to put in effort as well. I was really lucky. I found both of my mentors by chance. And I'll talk, yeah, um, I'll talk about this woman who really was just so inspirational to me. I I went to like a pre-med event thrown by SNMA. Uh, which is like a pre-med organization for minority students. So I went to this event and I'm flipping through the program and I see this woman's face. She was one of the speakers and Mm -hmm. I recognized her immediately. She happened to be the sister of this woman that I was working with at the time. Oh, how convenient. Um, It was just like very, I don't know. It was very interesting how that happened. Um, So I took a picture and I sent it to my friend. I was like, is this your sister? And she said, yeah, totally. Like reach out to her. Um, I wasn't able to hear her speak because I had to leave early um, for work. But I did reach out to her and she was so receptive and so Mm -hmm. welcoming and warm. And um, she's a double board certified uh, physician. She does ENT and plastic surgery. Just seeing a woman being able to do that was just Mm -hmm. really inspiring to me. I was able to really just see like what a career in medicine could look like. And you really can have it all. Yeah. And we're going to get into work-life balance <laughs> later mm-hmm. um, because, you know, there's, you know, different opinions on this, but she really embodies to me this quote that I love by Toni Morrison, which is, if you have some power, then your job is to empower someone else. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And I think that it's part of our responsibility as, you know, people that are pursuing higher education is to open doors for people following us. So um, I was really grateful that I met her. She actually was even kind enough to come to my school to teach uh, some of the pre-med students how to suture. Um, She helped me with my application. She's just like an amazing person. I'm super grateful for her. And then another mentor that I had was a retired urologist that I actually met through waiting tables. And (laughs) yeah, he was like one of my customers. He was there Uh with his wife and a friend and he was celebrating his birthday. And we developed a rapport and uh, he came to find out that I was, you know, pursuing medicine. But this was like when I had just gone back to finish my undergraduate degree. Okay. So I hadn't even taken any science classes at this point, but I told him I want to pursue medicine. And so he tells me, you know, wait till you take a science class. Come back to me when you take a science class. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you said, Brittany. it's not for everyone, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like you have to be very honest. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't an easy path. And so he really gave me some perspective on that. And then once he saw I was serious about it, he was 100% supportive. I mean, he was always supportive, but he wanted to make sure that my head was in the right place mm-hmm. um, and I was doing it for the right reasons. So really grateful for him. We're still friends to this day. He and his wife are are amazing people, very philanthropic. And he also helped me a lot with my application. He read my personal statement many times Mm -hmm. and helped me recognize my strengths and why I was actually going to be a good candidate for medical school. So Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you brought up a good point. You know, you reached out to your mentor and Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, people that aren't really a people person, you know, they're more... um, 
introverted. Introverted. Thank you. Yes. The introverted people, you know, it's kind of scary to reach out, but in my career, I have found that I have grown more Mm -hmm. and it's very beneficial for you to just send an email to meet someone at office hours to just be like, Hey, um, I just have a quick question. Can I ask you like about your opinion on this? It, is very beneficial, like for you, for me, even yeah. for you going to your professor's office hours, you know, mm-hmm. it worked out well for us in the long run. Yeah. For sure. And it I can agree. feel very daunting too, reaching mm-hmm. out to someone, maybe like sending a cold email or making a phone call. Yeah. It can be very scary sometimes, but I think you have to remember also that those people were in the same position that you were True. In at Good some point. point. So yeah. it's it's all going to be okay. The worst thing they can do is say no. And you will find people, like Christina said, um, who won't be so supportive. But mm-hmm. I think that's why it's really important to just establish in yourself what you want to do and a faith in yourself because yeah. you're just going to meet so many obstacles. That's, mm-hmm. that's the truth. But if you have a good foundation and a good sense of like why you're doing it and a good mm-hmm. reason, you'll really be okay. Yeah. And Christina, I think you mentioned you were a mentor yourself. Did yeah. Do you have any feedback on what it's like to be a mentor to a mentee? For sure. Yeah. Um, so I, in college, we had a, a group of students who were pre-health mentors So if you had questions and wanted a student's advice about anything really pre-health related, you could go and you could meet with students who had done that process prior to you. So I used to go to them when I was kind of in my younger years in undergrad, and then I became a mentor in my Mm -hmm. later years. And it was just such a great experience because I think there's no advice like firsthand advice. Like Mm -hmm. you need that kind of firsthand perspective. And I think too, when I when I mentor people and when when people come to me and ask my, for my help, which I still I think my email must be still on the Binghamton website somewhere because I still get emails <laughs> from students asking for my advice. Those cold, you know, cold yeah, emails. Cold emails, <laughs> totally. But I always say is, you know, how can I help you? Like putting the onus on that student because I don't know that student's journey or what they've already figured out right. or what they need help with. So I think asking and kind of putting the ball in their court can be helpful to them because then they can really get out of it what they need to get mm-hmm. out of it. And I talk a lot, so I don't want to give information <laughs> that I that they already know gotcha, twice. Gotcha. So yeah. yeah. I really love hearing about your experiences with mentors. I think that's awesome. We also wanted to touch on something related to work life balance. Mm-hmm. So the medical field and science in general is notorious for being difficult. There's many years of school. For us, Christina, there's residency and then there are exams at every turn. And I know that's the same for PhD. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the elusive work-life balance. Like what does this mean to you? And do you think that we could ever truly reach a balance between Mm -hmm. work and life? I don't think so personally. I really don't. I Mm. think it's more along the lines of I set this amount of time to do work and I set this amount of time outside of work to do my life, be with friends, be with families, and not think about work. Sometimes I think I have a balance, um, but then when I take a step back, I kind of look like, oh, these past few weeks, they've been, you know, focused around work. It's kind of like, you know, a wave. It kind of goes up and down and up and down. And I really have to thank my fiance because he is a much more like grounded person than me. So he'll be like, hey, you've been so focused into work lately. I think we need to go do this with family. or I think we need to go do this spontaneous trip. Like, I think you need to get back to you. And I really appreciate that because like these last few weeks for me personally have been crazy. And I realized that this week that, you know, I really do need to get back to me and focus on my friends and family, people I haven't seen. So 
I don't, I mean, I don't think there's a balance. What do you think, Natalie, Christina? (laughs) Well, let me just say that I'm not the person that should be giving advice about this because I do not, if there is a balance, I have not, uh, I'm not figured that out yet. But what I will say is a couple things. I think for me, I live by a few golden rules. Yes. Please tell Um, us your golden rules. Golden (laughs) rules. Here we go. Three golden rules. Number one, no matter what's going on, I always plan something to look forward to at the end of the week. So literally, and Natalie knows what I'm talking about, I will literally text people on Monday, Tuesday even, of a week mm-hmm. to get plans for that weekend, whatever it is, so that throughout yeah. the entire week, everyone's excited about something. Mm-hmm. Everyone has something social or fun or whatever to look forward to. Even if it's like going and getting dinner with my sister on Saturdays, which I do a lot, mm-hmm. which is just kind of a more like common everyday thing mm-hmm. like that. I look forward to that because I love spending time with her. Yeah. So that's rule number one. Always try to have some relaxing, fun, social thing to do at the end of the week, if you can help it. Number two, I always make a schedule on Sundays for that following week up until the following Sunday. And I schedule what's called non-negotiable time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm doing air quotes that this audience (laughs) can't see. But um, so typically I schedule non-negotiable time for Fridays and Saturdays after four o'clock that no matter what's going on, I don't ever do work Fridays and Saturdays after four o'clock. And number three, I think for us, you know, for our generation, like the new generation of healthcare professionals, doctors, PhDs, nurses, everyone, we get to set the tone Mm -hmm. and it's up to us. You know, when I'm relaxing, I try not to beat myself up or, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of med students that I've seen, you know, you'll be relaxing or you'll be doing something social and someone will say, oh, I should be studying right now. Yeah. Or Or, let me check that email real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Or like pull out their phone. No, like it's up to us to set the tone. If it's relaxing time, it's relaxing time. Like don't Mm -hmm. try not to do that. Or for example, you know, it's up to us. Are we going to ask women when they're planning on having a family Mm, or if they have enough time for their family? Maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. (laughs) Or maybe we should do that to both genders equally in the same amount. Like, I think it's up to us to set the tone. You know, if you want to have a better work-life balance, don't make yourself apologize when you have time to relax. Yeah. Kind of counterproductive in my opinion. Natalie, how about you? Any golden rules? I'm going to adopt your golden rules first of all. Yes, golden rules. Yeah. You know, I think... For me, the work-life balance is, you know, something to strive for, right? Um, And I think it's easier Mm -hmm. when you feel like your work is part of your life's calling, which I feel like we all do feel. And I do think it's really important to have, like, an identity and hobbies outside of school. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that really helps kind of strike that balance. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, like, after an exam or during, like, a break, like, my brain doesn't know how to relax. Like, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. like, know how to have fun, mm-hmm. <laughs> like how to not be stressed out. So it's definitely good to have like hobbies to fall back on and have a plan. Like you said, Christina, absolutely love that. So it can be like going to the gym or going to a museum or going to see a show or something like that. I think it's good to have interest outside of science and medicine. Yeah. And also just a little plug. There's so many things going on in Syracuse, um, like culturally, <laughs> right. like yeah. I was really blown away. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm taking an elective class right now called Literature and Medicine, ran by Dr. Ruth Hart, who's an amazing woman in the community. Um, we've seen different films, documentaries, plays. We've read things. We've oh, been able really to, cool. yeah, we've been able to connect all those things to medicine and practicing medicine in some mm-hmm. way. So, um, but back to the topic, day to day, finding a work-life balance to me looks like prioritizing quality sleep mm-hmm. and nutrition. Like those are like hard and fast for me. Like I need 
good at least six hours of sleep. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> those I, are your golden rules. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Those are mine. I'll just add on yours. <laughs> to mine. Um, and overall health, you know, I try to go to the gym and I try to meditate, you know, when I remember to. I also try to make sure that my space is clean. That's really important to me and like mm-hmm. organized. It just helps my brain work better. And it reminds me also that my personal life is just as important as my professional life. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy to like roll out of bed and run to school and just be at the library for like 12 hours. But like yeah. if I wake up and like I really enjoy my space that I'm living in, it helps me slow down a little bit and kind of like find that work-life balance and realize I'm not just yeah. a student. You know, I'm a woman, I'm a person, you know, living a life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think tapping into your creativity is also really important. I know you're both very creative. Like oh, Christina, you sing. <laughs> I do. You, yeah. Yeah. And Brittany has an amazing, like aesthetically pleasing oh, Instagram page. I love your pictures. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think these are like just little ways that we can, you know, be creative and balance our ourselves out. Um, I like to cook. I like mm. to make pretty things to put around my house. Um, so those are just some ways that I try to strike that balance. But, you know, sometimes are harder than others, I'm sure, yeah. as we all know. So it's also, I think, important to remember the big picture. And anything worth doing, as they say, will not be easy. It is worth it. It's for a reason. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's, you know, it's going to be all right in the end. Yeah. It's an investment. So Yeah, I like this framework that we've kind of set up of, like, reflecting each week, just making sure, like, we have this kind of balance. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of tied between mm. all of us is that, I mean, even if it's not every week, every few weeks, like coming back and being like, okay, have I focused too much on work or have I focused too much on my outside life, you know, going out to dinner and things like that. You know, I think the framework we've set up for balancing work and life, you know, I think is very beneficial, hopefully to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I love this conversation that we had today. Yeah, me too. I feel like I learned so much about you both. Mm-hmm. And um, I hope that all of our listeners also got some insight into how it is to be the first person in your family and how there is a beautiful community waiting for you here. So we look forward to speaking to you next time. Yes. Talk yes. soon. Thanks everyone.